Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Wisdom Awakening. I'm your host, Bishop E.W. Jackson. Great to be with you again this morning, and I trust you're going to have a wonderful day. Believe in God for you to have a wonderful day. This is the day the Lord has made. We will be glad and rejoice in it. Well, look, before we get into the word today, you know, I'm really excited about Ephesians chapter 5, by the way. It's got some really, really, uh, of course, I love the book of Ephesians in general. I, like, I love the word of God in general. But the book of Ephesians is just, it's just particularly rich. It's got so much in it. And uh, Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to get to here in a second. I want to call your attention to a couple of things uh, this morning before we do that. You know, you've heard me say many times, they are after our children. They meaning this sort of leftist cult. And folks, make no mistake about it. You got to think about it this way. It is a cult. It is a, a giant amorphous cult. And I call it a cult because it has these religious qualities to it. You've got to believe. You've got to believe in climate change. You know, you, you got to believe in the vaccine. And, and they have the, 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 it's really a religion. You know, communism, Marxism, socialism is a religion. I've often said Karl Marx was trying to create the kingdom of God without God with himself as the idol. And of course, that spirit has expressed itself in those regimes that have tried to establish a communist system because they always involve worship of the leaders. Gigantic murals of Mao Zedong, gigantic murals of Stalin and Lenin and gigantic murals of whatever Ho Chi Minh. So they're, they're religious systems that depend upon people believing. And so the left has really picked up that spirit and the whole thing now is a gigantic cult. No matter how unrealistic, no matter how disconnected from reality, no matter how crazy the things are that they come up with, you are expected to accept, to embrace, to adhere. And if you don't, you are the enemy of the cult. And you know what cults do to their enemies. Some cults have been known to try to kill their enemies. They certainly want to separate people from their, the enemies of the cult because they want to keep the people who are captured to the cult and in the cult, they want to keep away from them all ideas that could cause them to wake up and cause them to realize that they're engaged in cultism and that they are in the captivity of a cult. Now, this morning, uh, I noticed that uh, this idiot, we've seen him uh, before. I mean, the man is half crazy. Howard Dean, who is he from? I think he's from Vermont. Uh, you know, the guy who blew up his presidency by making some kind of strange noises. Uh, he's a strange, strange guy. But he's accusing the people who are resistant to taking the vaccine of being in a cult led by Donald Trump. You know, I said this before, too. This is a tactic of communism. Here again, Whitaker Chambers in his book, uh, um, Leon Skousen in his book on communism, Whitaker Chambers in his book talking about his involvement in the communist movement, say the same thing. One of their tactics 
because they are liars. They don't believe that lying is wrong. They, they believe that whatever advances the cause is right by any means necessary. So what they do is accuse the others, accuse their opponents, accuse their enemies of doing what they themselves are doing. It's a tactic. And you do it often, you do it consistently, and you start, I mean, Whitaker Chambers in, for example, when he was testifying before the House Un-American Activities Committee against, and Alger Hiss was also testifying, what the Communist Party tried to do, what Alger Hiss tried to do, was turn this into a personal thing. Oh, he doesn't like me. And he's my personal enemy. And that's why he's coming after me. So he basically accused Whitaker Chambers of doing what he and the Communist Party were doing. They turned Whitaker Chambers into their personal enemy and they were out to destroy him. So it's, it's a common tactic. It's what, it's what they do. And, and, and the reason why they believe in that tactic so strongly is because they are liars. As Jesus said, they are liars and the truth is not in them. They are of their father, the devil. He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. So that's their stock in trade, lying. So he accuses anybody who is resistant to the vaccine or raises questions about the vaccine or doesn't want to have the vaccine of being involved in a cult and following Donald Trump. So he then likens Donald Trump to Jim Jones leading people to their death. And here again, I want to say this to strengthen you because the left will never get this. They just don't. They simply don't understand that people like Donald Trump, people like Rush Limbaugh and, and, and others that I could name, me uh, as a, on a much smaller scale, are not supported by people because we've somehow mesmerized them into accepting what we say willy-nilly, without thought, without analysis, they're just, they, they, they are enamored of these personalities, and then whatever we say, they yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. But see, because that's what the left does. They indoctrinate people. They mislead people. They deceive people. They manipulate people. The reason why people like Donald Trump and Rush Limbaugh and, and me and others are supported is we're expressing things that people already feel and we're giving voice to their feelings. They, they, they just don't get that. Nobody's resistant to the vaccine because Donald Trump said so. People are resistant to the vaccine because they've done research, they've done analysis, they've done some reading. They have reasons to distrust a, an experimental drug which is known to have some very terrible effects, particularly on some of these young people who are having heart problems and heart inflammation as a result, and to some others as well. But, oh, no, 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 no. If you just belong to a cult, you're following Donald Trump, he's going to lead you to your death. I mean, this is the the crazy thinking that these people have. And, And here again, it comes back to a Marxist worldview because... When I express respect 
for the values and attitudes and, and hard work and decency and honor of the American people. It is because I don't see the American people as some mass, a, 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 a nameless, faceless them. I'm thinking of all the individuals that I've had an opportunity to interact with in, their, in, 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 in the variety of circumstances. I see them as representing something really good and great in the country that comes down to each individual living out his or her life in the best way they know how, and that that represents a fundamental goodness and decency that is widespread in our country. But the left doesn't see us that way. They see us as a nameless, faceless mass. Those people, you know, the deplorables, the bitter clingers, and they're all, you know, this, this, because that's the way Karl Marx taught them to view the world. The world is not made up of individuals, each unique in their own perspective and thinking. And, and, and I, mean, I have a lot of people say to me, you know, everything you say, I, I pretty much agree with. And I appreciate that. But you and I know that if we sat and talked long enough, we'd find something we don't agree on. Because we're each unique individuals. My wife doesn't agree with everything I say. She should. <laughs> she should. <laughs> but she doesn't. And she'd probably say the same thing about me. My husband doesn't agree with everything I say, but he ought to. <laughs> But, but we see people as individuals. God made us as individuals. Each of us is unique. Each of us is special. Each of us is endowed with this unique, creative, divine spark that God has put in us. They don't see us that way. They don't see people that way. They see you as a, 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 a victim group, an identity group, a mass. And so as far as this idiot is concerned, if you are against the vaccine, it's because you're, you're part of the Donald Trump cult and you're following him to your death. I mean, this is, and look, here's the other thing that they don't understand about us. And when I say us, I'm thinking of the American people who still hold to traditional values, still believe in God, love our country, want the very best for, for all Americans, even for people who don't agree with us, want the very best for them. This is what they don't understand. The left has politicized everything. And when they say follow the science, what they mean is follow the science as we dictate it. Follow the science as we tell you. Follow the science based on what we say the science is and says, except we have found out that the science is often wrong that they espouse. Wear masks, don't wear masks. Uh, well, wearing masks could be a problem for some people. Uh, stay in. Well, oh, staying in might have helped spread the disease. You better get out. You better go out. I mean, they've been all over the place. And to this day, I don't hear any widespread public acknowledgement of the natural immunity that now, I mean, forget how many people have had the disease, but it's in the millions now, who have had the disease, had COVID, now have a natural immunity 
which based on everything I've read, Scientific American, National Institutes of Health, uh, and other articles indicate that the natural immunity we have for, the, for most people is better than the vaccine. Because the vaccine is trying to get the body to do what the natural immunity system does on its own. And, you know, I've read articles about the antibodies, the T cells, uh, the ability of the body to, to quickly adjust to variants of the disease. Once you've had the disease, any variant is prepared to fight off as well. It's unclear that the vaccine is capable of producing that kind of response, but it's clear from articles I've read that the immune system can. But you don't hear any of that. That's science, too. You don't hear any of that. And see, particularly for us Christians, while science is helpful and important, and, and I accept science for what it can do for us. I mean, we're intelligent people. We know that science has its benefits, but it's not God. And it's an evolving discipline. This drug, for example, this vaccine is an experimental, or this shot, this drug, is an experimental vaccine. We have no idea what the long-term effects of it will be because we haven't had it long enough. That's a rational concern. Oh, no, 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 that's cultish. That's, you're, you're, you're like a cult. But, and this is coming from a guy who's supposed to be a doctor. He's a complete idiot, he, an educated fool, Howard Dean. So I, I wanted to, to, to get that out there because I want you to be prepared for the pressure that I think is coming to get this vaccine. You know, people ask me, have I had the vaccine? I say, I'm all set. <laughs> I just, I'm all set. First of all, no, nobody has any business. It's none of their business. I say, I'm all set because I've got the immunity. I don't need to have the vaccine. I have immunity. I've had the test. I've got the, the antibodies, which means my body is producing T cells. And, and people say, yeah, but you don't know how long that's going to last. But you don't know how long the vaccine lasts either. They're already talking about a booster shot. But from the articles I've read that the immune system kind of ne then never forgets and kind of lies in wait for any attempted incursion into the body by a disease that it's already fought off. I know I'm, I'm, I'm as, at least as good shape as anybody who's had the vaccine and probably better. Probably better. So just get ready for that. One other thing that I want to get into the word. Um, the Journal of Medical Ethics, I said there after our children. The Journal of Medical Ethics has just come out with an article titled LGBT Testimony and the Limits of Trust, published last month in last month's issue. And basically, um, this biologist, who is also a philosophy professor at Arizona, Arizona State University, Mara Priest, argues this. Are you ready for this? Because they're after our children. 
This is the Journal of Medical Ethics. This is a prestigious journal. See, this is what I mean, politicizing the science. This is a scientific journal, okay, for doctors and scientists about the ethics of what they do. So it's written by scientists. Says, once your child, this is what she believes the rule should be. Once your child expresses any inclination, indication of a desire to transition from the biological genetic gender of your child to a different gender, once that happens, the law should provide that you have a, that, that a veto to parental authority and only what the child wants should be considered by the law. What the child wants. A child who's incapable of making any life decisions, but, th but this life-changing, potentially life-altering decision. So the child wants mutilation. The child wants surgery. The parents have no say. By law, this is what they're recommending. By law, the parents have no say. Here, here is what he says. This is a quote from this so-called scientist. These people are not scientists. They, these people are, are political leftists and they simply use science um, to advance their political agenda. That's all. She says, frustrating a person's, a trans person's desire to affirm identity is harmful. That is in tension with non-maleficence. That's supposed to be scientific. Harmful in what way? How about all these people out running around the world now saying, I was allowed to make this transition, transition, and it was wrong. I regret it. I wish I hadn't done it, but I can't now undo it. Um, oh, here, here's, but here's the, yeah, here's the quote I really want you to hear. It says, if the medical community is to take LGBT testimony seriously, as they should, then it is no longer the job of physicians to do their own weighing of the costs and benefits of transition-related care. Assuming the patient is informed and competent, including children now, because they're talking about vetoing, the parents have no right to interfere with what the child wants to do. So assuming the child is informed and competent, well, by definition, the child is neither informed nor competent. As a matter of law and as a matter of practicality, the child doesn't have the experience, doesn't have the knowledge, doesn't have the understanding, doesn't have the long view of life, doesn't understand what it is to, to 10 years, 20 years from now, look back and go, oh my, uh, 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 why, why was I allowed to make that decision? And so this is, is follow the science, right? Just bow down, worship the scientists. Oh, they know. It says, then only the patient can make this assessment because only the patient has access to the true weight of transition-related benefits. Moreover, 
Taking LGBT patient testimony seriously also means that parents should lose veto power over most transition-related pediatric care. Pediatric care. The care of a child. Says when a child now expresses this transgender ideation, the parent loses any right to be involved in transition-related pediatric care. So says the Journal of Medical Ethics. They're coming after our children. Make no mistake about it. Here's Elisha responds, sorry, but if you want to change my child mentally, hormonally, and physically, you're going to have to go through me. See, this is what I'm saying, folks. I, this is why I believe that an awakening is happening and is happening already. Tom Quigan says, as a comment to this article, they are out to get your children. That's what I've been saying. So this is what we're up against. And, and I know that this, look, I've said this before, and I say this very, very advisedly and circumspectly, because as you know, I've expressed many, many times, I do not believe in any way that violence is an answer. I just don't believe that, except where you're, you're actually engaged in self-defense, that's a different matter. But I do believe that the left is playing with fire here because this is the kind of thing that can lead to violence because, you know, just like in the animal world, you know, I, I live in a fairly rural area. We see deer all the time. And, you know, they look, they look cute and harmless and they run when you see them. But I've heard stories that you start messing with a deer's doe and that deer will rise up on its hind legs and hurt you. It, it, it is just... I believe that God just put that in us. It is inbred in us. If you're normal, if you're normal. Uh, homosexuality is not normal, and they can't have children in a normal way, so I don't think they feel the same kinds of, of protectiveness, which is why they are so anxious to interfere with the, the normal relationship between parents and their children and step in the middle of that and dismiss parents, like in this case. But this is dangerous ground that they are treading on, dangerous ground. Um, which is why we got to get these people out of office. And, and so now right now, that's just an, an opinion from the Journal of Medical Ethics. It's not law, but the, but the Journal of Medical Ethics is saying, but it should be the law. It should be the law that once your child says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not John anymore, I'm not Johnny anymore, I want to be Jane, you have nothing to say. You're done. Virginia school system, I, I don't know whether I've told you all this, but the Virginia school system now has a rule that says if your child expresses that in school, the, the, the teachers not only have a right, but a responsibility to keep it from you as parents. You have no right to know and the, the, the school will treat the child entirely differently while the child is there and hide it from you as a parent. This is what we're dealing with, folks. And, and we've got to get these people out of office so that they can't implement this insanity uh, as a matter of law.
Okay, I wanted to get those two things out there. Let me get to the word a little earlier than I normally do. But but like I said, I'm excited about the book of Ephesians. Uh, so let's get to it, shall we? Uh, we finish up at verse five, which is for this, you know, no fornicator, unclean person or covetous man, nor idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, that's just the way it is. That's not because God doesn't want them in. It's because they don't want to come God's way. And if you're going to you make up your mind, this is what you want in life. You can't have God, too. Having God in your life means you renounce these things. And say, Lord, I don't want those things. I don't want sin. I want you. I want to be with you for all of eternity. So let's go to the sixth verse. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Now, notice something here. Anything that promotes this garbage, like what I just read you of, of this Journal of Medical Ethics, are empty words. Empty meaning they're, they're, they're words that are, are vain. They come out of the, the emptiness of a human mind devoid of God. It says, so let no one deceive you with that. And the left is a, they, they are past masters at using vocabulary to deceive people. That's why you don't hear me use the word gay. Occasionally I may slip up and use it or I may use it because I'm quoting someone else. But, but the word means happy and carefree. And homosexuality is not happy or carefree. It's not gay, it's homosexual. Because this is a way of twisting the language to deceive people. There's no such thing as an undocumented immigrant. What does that mean? He lost his documents? He's undocumented. I misplaced my documents. Come on. You're an illegal alien, meaning that you are a foreigner in our country without permission, without legal authority to be, or legal right to be here, period. But this, this, is, this is what they do. They, they make up words, homophobic, Islamophobic. I'm not afraid of homosexuals or homosexuality. I have a, a perspective on it based on what the Bible says. I'm not afraid of it homophobic. Yeah, give me a break. Transphobic. I'm not afraid of transgenders. I think it's an abominable lifestyle and way of behaving. I detest it. I love and pray for the people who caught up in it because they're confused. They don't know it. I'm not afraid of it, afraid of them. But th this is what they, they use words. Actually, what they are really what we are really ought to be talking about is biblophobic, Christophobic, Godophobic, because that's what these people are. They got a phobia and a fear and a hatred, frankly, of God. But so don't be deceived by empty words. Okay? Political, political correctness. Oh, you got to refer to Jim as they because Jim's in transition. Yeah, but he's a singular person. Well, so what is he? He or she? Can't be, he can't be a, a singular person can't be a they. But in this 
world of empty words, oh yeah, a singular person can be a they because that's the pronoun they choose. <laughs> well, why not an it? That's a pronoun too. You, you see what I'm getting, what the scripture is saying here. Don't, don't be deceived by these empty words. Because of these things, and these empty words are meant to justify sin. That's what they're really for. They're meant to justify sin. Like, you like this one? Sex worker. Prostitute. Whore. I'm not trying to be ugly, but, I mean, come on. It's an ugly way to live. It's immoral. It's degenerate. As are the people who traffic in it and use it. We used to, the, the, the phrase, I don't hear it anymore, but for people who would go for that, we call them whoremongers. Whoremongers. Here again, that might be a little shocking to the conscience today, but it's an accurate description. Don't be deceived by empty words. It says, because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Why? Be because they're unrepentant and they're using words to justify their sin, which is exactly what we've got today. Uh, oh, here's one, you know. God doesn't care who you love, which, and when we know homosexuality is not about love, it's about, it's about perverted lust. That's what it's about. And I don't care how you dress it up, try to, oh, but Bob and Bill have been together <laughs> for 30 years. <laughs> they have a wonderful relationship, blah, 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 blah. Not in the sight of God. In the sight of God, that's an abomination. Here again, and I'm not giving you my, by the way, let me just say, God doesn't call it an abomination, but it's sin to be living together without benefit of marriage. That's sin. It's wrong. We used to call it shacking up, cohabitating. Now it's, oh, Bill moved in. Congratulations. The wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience because they're justifying themselves instead of repenting for their sin. See, people are not going to go to hell because they're fornicators, because they're unclean, or because they're covetous, or because they're idolaters, or because of any of that. They're going to hell because instead of repenting of that and receiving the grace of God that comes through Jesus Christ, they hold fast to that and use deceiving words to justify themselves rather than justifying God and turning their back on sin and their face toward God and asking for his forgiveness and his help and his love and his redemption. You know, a murderer can go, can go to heaven. A rapist can go to heaven. A drug dealer can go to heaven after they repent of their sin and ask for God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ. 
I read it, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, these people will not enter the kingdom of heaven, and such were some of you. But you were justified, and you were sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus. So see, the Bible and the word of God are not about condemnation. It's about redemption. But you've got to understand that unless you do what you need to do to receive the redemption, you are under condemnation. The wrath of God abides on you. It's not what God wants, but it's what you're choosing. It says, therefore, do not be partakers with them. That word partaker is the word symmetokos, uh, like like, do not be in symmetry with them. Do not be simpatico with them. See, that, that, that's one of the reasons why I say I'm never going to compromise with this garbage, this LGBTQ garbage that the, the, the whole mainstream media, you know, we, all, we have to. I, I remember Gretchen Carlson. You all remember Gretchen Carlson? Gretchen Carlson sued Fox, made $20 million, wealthy woman now. Uh, you know, based on her accusations against uh, Roger Ailes. Um, I'm not passing judgment on that. I'm just bringing, bringing her up for another reason. But just to give you a context of who she is. She always claimed to be a Christian. But I remember on one particular program, she was asked on television, do you believe that homosexuality is sin? And she had her moment right there. And, you know, she said, no. But yet she would always claim to be a Christian. See, because these broadcasters now are being forced to go along with this, that what they're doing is they're being partakers with them. Partaker doesn't mean you're doing it, but it means you are expressing sympathy for it. You are simpatico with it. You are in symmetry with it. That's cowardly. She was afraid that if she didn't answer that way, she would have lost her job, and she might have. But what does it profit us if we gain the whole world and lose our own souls? And what should we give in return for our souls? She could have, just, she could have it would have been less cowardly, just dodge the question and say, well, I don't get into those kinds of issues on the air. Something. But no, instead she took a stand against the word of God. The word of God says it's sin. She said it's not. But I'm a Christian. Oh, come on, you can't have it both ways. All right, wow. All of that over just the first two verses. Uh, I'm sorry, all of that over uh, verses 6 and 7. <laughs> but it is just two verses over 6 and 7, not the first two. Let's go on to the eighth verse. It says, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. See, we were all once in darkness. Now, some of you got saved early on and you never experienced the real darkness of the world because you were shielded from it. I've heard Andrew Womack talk about that, that the life he led before he got saved. He got saved at a young age and really never experienced some of the sin that somebody like me who didn't get saved until I was almost 25 years old experienced. Okay? But all of us were at some point in darkness, whether we experienced a lot of darkness or only a little darkness, we were in darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. 
See, and, and the look, the light is the word of God. Because the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And that word is light, and the light is the life of men, and that light shines in darkness, and that darkness cannot overcome it. So Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But then he said, you are the light of the world. Wow. Wow. Because you are the light of Jesus Christ shining in the world today. You and I are. It says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. See, goodness, righteousness, and truth can't be separated. In the same way I've said, there's no such thing as social justice. Because justice requires no qualifier. There's no such thing as racial justice. Because justice requires no qualifier. It's either justice or it's not. Not racial justice and social justice and sexual justice. I mean, come on. It's justice. But you cannot, you cannot separate justice from goodness and righteousness and truth. See, true justice is based on the goodness of God. You say, well, now, wait a minute, Bishop. How can that possibly be? Some murderer... Uh, kill somebody and you're saying true justice is based on God's goodness well wouldn't God's goodness say okay just let him go no it wouldn't because God's goodness would say put that person away that the rest of us would be protected from someone who does such things that's goodness that's look that is why there is a hell there is a hell because God created spirits who will never die will never go out of existence. You and I are spirits who will never go out of existence. But some of those spirits have chosen to not follow God. Some of those spirits have chosen to rebel against God. And since those spirits have made that choice, they must be separated from those of us who have made a choice for God because of his goodness. His goodness says for those of us who love him, those of us who want him, those of us who know him, his goodness says, I'm going to protect you from all that is sin, all that is evil, all that is offense, all that is death. I'm going to separate that from you completely forever. That's the goodness of God. That's why the Bible also says the goodness of God leads us to repentance because God has something so wonderful to offer that our human imagination can barely grasp it. The Bible says, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. God's goodness must punish evil. God's goodness must separate evil from all that he wants to protect. And yes, so therefore justice means separating evil from those who need protection from it and righteousness there's no justice without righteousness people won't try to separate you, you that that's why all this purported social justice stuff which vilifies quote unquote white people americans of european ancestry and really all europeans all this so-called social justice that vilifies them and turns them all into racists and white supremacists and beneficiaries of white privilege and, the, and on and on and on. That's evil. That's evil. 
that's based on unrighteousness, not righteousness. I said, that's the, that's the collectivist mindset, they. No, it's no they, they, it's no they. Every American of European ancestry is as different from any other American of European ancestry or as they are different from any person anywhere in the world. They have different ideas, they have different thoughts, they have different approaches, they have different personalities, they have different ways of looking at the world and assessing things. You know, when Dr. King said we should not be judged by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character, it was a way of saying we should be looked upon and responded to and dealt with as individuals, not as members of some stereotypical idea that we have of what these people are like. You can't have justice without righteousness. And righteousness says that each individual is the unique creation of God and should be dealt with as such. Social justice says, no, we got to deal with groups. As if every statistical anomaly, uh, reality that can be applied across the board to some group is somehow demonstration that some evil has been done. No, it's not. No, it's not. It might be. But it's not necessarily. Could be the result of choices that people are making. Could be the result of certain cultural norms that have been allowed to grow up. I mean, if you go back and, and look at Aboriginal cultures, and some of them were headhunters, and some of them were cannibals, and all of that, right? Well, you, you can't say that that somehow um, cannibalism was the result of individual choices, right? We know that cannibalism was a cultural norm that people bought into. But you separate one of those individuals out from that norm, and that person makes a, a, can make an entirely different set of choices. So I'm not saying that there aren't cultural norms that can influence what people think and say and do. But what I'm saying is we've got to all view ourselves as individuals and not buy into so-called cultural norms and allow that to govern our lives. And we've got to look at individuals in that way rather than, well, the cultural norm is this, therefore this person is that. Am I? Does that make sense? I've never seen, I've never heard a stereotype that I didn't see violated. I've never heard a stereotype that I didn't see violated. You name one. All the, those people are like this. And I meet people, they're not like that at all. <laughs> so, you know, all those people can do this. Well, this one, this one can't, can't do it at all. <laughs> you, know? you know, forgive, oh my goodness, I'm almost out of time. There's no justice without righteousness, okay? And there's no justice without truth. And social justice is based on a lie. The lie is that there's some sort of widespread conspiracy in the world to hurt certain people in our country, particularly, to hurt certain people, to discriminate against certain people, like the police are out hunting down black men. That's a lie. It's a lie. It's just... 
it does not borne out statistically. It's not borne out factually. It's just a lie. But the mainstream media promotes it that way. You ever watch um, Body Cam? I love that show. Uh, you talk about getting an insight into what police have to go through. Whew, man, that'll, that'll make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. But if you watch that program, you'll be amazed at how many Americans of European ancestry end up getting killed by cops because they are, they're violent and in a violent confrontation with police and it becomes a situation of us or them. Not one of those stories that I've saw, seen where a quote-unquote white person is killed in a confrontation with a police officer made headline news because they don't matter. They don't fit the political narrative. So when you have social justice, we got to have social justice and police are racist and all. I mean, that's based on a lie. You can't have social justice. You can't have justice without goodness, righteousness, and truth. I hope I've proved that proposition. And that's why social justice itself is a lie and a flawed concept because it's based on, not based on the goodness of God, not based on the righteousness of God, and not based on truth. It's based in lies. Systemic racism. What is it? Oh, I don't know, but it's there. I got to go. Uh, God bless each and every one of you. I love you. I hope you've enjoyed this. We'll pick up at the 10th verse tomorrow. It won't be much in the 10th verse because the 10th verse simply says finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So we'll probably pick up at the 11th verse. Okay. But God bless you. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. And remember, we cannot be defeated if we will not quit because we are on God's side.